Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This week on the Chicago Bears Review, our opponent preview shows are picking up steam as we continue to roll right through the AFC North, this time with last year's third place finisher in the Cincinnati Bengals. Can the Bengals regain their crown, or will they continue to fall behind? Kyle Phelps from SB Nation Sense and Jungle joins us on the AFC North preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. As we get through the summer, it's moving right along. We get closer to training camp and the regulars and the preseason and the regular season to, ah, man, I can't wait. I mean, this this is the, the time of year that I hate the most, and today would be a perfect example. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for part two of the AFC North preview, this time with the Cincinnati Bengals, and we're going to have Kyle Phelps from SB Nation, Cincy Jungle, joining us here uh, in a few minutes to preview the 2017 Cincinnati Bengals. And what I mean when I'm talking about the time of year that I hate the most, uh, that would be summer. Uh, even as a kid, uh, the despite the freedom that it was that we were granted, not having to be in school for three months, and uh, you know, no more bedtimes and all that kind of stuff, uh, um, it it meant ungodly temperatures outside. I have never ever been a fan of summer heat. I you know, and and I grew up, I grew up in the Midwest. I still live here now. Um, and one of the things that I have always hated about the Midwest is the humidity. It is God awful. You know, it's just, it's horrible. And today, uh, I mean, it's a little, actually a little early for this kind of weather. I mean, even, even though it's June, but today being Saturday, June 10th, uh, it is, uh, over 90 degrees for the first time, uh, this, this year. I mean, it technically, it's not even summer yet. Summer doesn't start till the 20th or 21st, something like that. Uh, it's over 90 degrees, and I'm guessing with the heat index, which <laughs> has always been one of my, you know, kind of like the whole wind chill factor here in the Midwest during the winter. The temperature says it's five, but with the wind chill factor, it means it feels like it's minus 15. Well, then, goddammit, it's minus 15 out there. And, you know, the whole heat index is the temperature is 91, but with the heat index, it feels like it's 102. Well, then it's 102. So, you know, that's how awful it feels. Uh, out there so you know what I think it goes without saying that uh, Larry D is going to be spending a healthy amount of time in the house uh, this weekend so uh, you know it's a good time to hunker down and start doing some of these uh, interviews to try to push along uh, our opponent uh, preview so um, not a whole lot of news coming out of Bears camp uh, this week um, you know OTAs have uh, officially wrapped up and this coming Monday the 13th is it Monday or Tuesday? Uh, Tuesday the 13th will be the mandatory mini camp. So all of the OTAs, of course, 
most teams aren't talking about it because everybody's showing up, but you're hearing a lot about it, like uh, with the Giants, uh, Odell Beckham and and um, as Olivier Vernon didn't show up to to OTAs, the 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 voluntary uh, part. I don't know what their status is for the upcoming minicamp, but you know the the, the upcoming minicamp. That's the one that everyone is absolutely 100% expected uh, to show up to, and um, that is for the Bears. I believe I. The dates were the 13th through the 15th. So ter- Tuesday through Thursday, the final uh, mandatory mini camp, basically before they break camp until uh, training camp in Bourbonnais at the end of July. So um, we're, we're about to truly enter a, a time of inactivity <laughs> as far as the NFL schedule uh, uh, or calendar, I should say, NFL calendar uh, is concerned. So... Um, there is something that I did want to talk about. I was I was looking um, looking over some things, trying to find something to talk about during this little uh, period. And what I found was an article uh, from our Windy City Gridiron SB Nation uh, page. The title being uh, "NFL Executive Bash the Chicago Bears Offseason." I don't think anyone is surprised uh, to hear that the Bears were granted a grade of D plus which was better than only three other teams, the Texans, the Ravens, and the Giants, who all got a D. Um, basically, um, what they were saying was, um, you know, it, it didn't, basically it, it looked like the Bears weren't exactly striving to improve their situation. It looked more like a regime. Here, here, here we go. They are trying to find lightning in a bottle with all these signings, and executives said, Sometimes you get lucky and you go seven and nine or eight and eight to save your job. That is all they're trying. That is all you're trying to do. Then you go back to four and twelve the next year. Boy, that that's <laughs> that makes you excited for the future, didn't it? So we could we could have an optimistic type seven and nine, eight and eight season, then sink back down to four and twelve in 2018. Wouldn't that just suck? Um, one executive said, "I'm totally cool with the Glennon signing, and will never object to someone spending on quarterbacks or investing in quarterbacks." But the rest of their signings look like they're just scrambling to get a six and ten, eight and eight type season. I don't see many good players that they added. It looks like a lot of mediocre players on mediocre deals. And quite frankly, that has been my contention all along. Is that when 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 guys like Stephon Gilmore and, and, and Logan Ryan and uh, Tony Jefferson, um, you know, uh, Quentin. I mean, we got Quentin Demps, but I'm at Todd Berry, but unfortunately. Uh, the Chiefs made sure that he never hit the market. But when those kinds of people were out there, um, you know, whether it be uh, a negotiating, a fail- failures in negotiating, which seemed to be the case with uh, Stefan Gilmore, at least he's the only one that publicly said so. But, um, you know, whether it be failure in, in negotiating or uh, just flat out people not wanting to come to Chicago, you know, the Bears failed miserably in free agents and free agency uh, uh, this year. Whereas, you know, last year uh, the Bears seemed to do very well with Trevathan and especially, uh, you know, Jarrell Freeman and uh, going out and getting Akeem Hicks. What a, what a gym that guy has had. I mean, the fact that we're not talking contract extension with him right now, I think is a major mistake. Uh, we could, we could end up saving millions by getting him on board now, unless of course, behind the scenes, we don't know that uh, they've tried to approach him and Akeem Hicks is in vet, you know, basically betting on himself and, and trying to make some serious money uh, next uh, offseason. But, you know, that that was pretty much my problem all along is um, 
you know, all due respect to the Marcus Wheatons and Kendall Wrights and, and uh, you know, and even adding Victor Cruz uh, into the mix, going out and getting Quentin Demps, Prince of Mukamura, uh, Marcus Cooper, all people who, who, as far as the press and the public are concerned, excited to be in Chicago. And God bless them for it. But, you know, the, like they were saying, these are mediocre players on mediocre deals or guys looking to re uh re reinstill some excitement hiring with indeed your search is over if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And, and vigor in their career, a la Victor Cruz, um, you know, who's fallen on tough times as far as, you know, being regarded as one of the best receivers in the league, but injuries have, you know, taken his career to where it is. Uh, now to where he's got to take a one-year flyer deal uh, with with a you know a below-level team. So um, that 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 was my problem all along. It didn't really look like the Bears made a step forward uh, uh, in free agency because uh, you know, and I will hold uh, pace to these words until he's no longer the general manager. I mean, the guy sounds like he's got a really great head on his shoulders, like he knows what he wants to do. One of the things that he did focus on was saying that he, you know, he was the one that, that gave us that one statistic about, you know, right now the Packers have, you know, 52 players on their on their active roster. 51 of them have only ever played for the Green Bay Packers. And so he would like to be able to say that about the Bears one day. Like when you enter the off season and all of your, you know, your, your cast offs or your contracts end and so on and so forth. When we're left with the 48 or so that are still under contract, I want 90 something percent of those players to only have been Chicago bears in their career. And that's something wonderful to strive for. Cause we've seen how it's worked with the Packers. But the other thing that he said that, like I said, I will hold him to forever. Uh, as long as he's our general manager is that you use free agency as a tool so that you can take the best player available in the draft. And this offseason, I feel like we failed to do that. They, their Bears did not get what they needed out of the uh, out of free agency in order to do what we did in the draft. And then the draft on top of that was, <laughs> you know, I don't care what anybody says. You know, God love the kid, and I hope he succeeds. Because, like I said, I even said it on draft day moments after my, you know, anger and disappointment had subsided a bit. Um, you know, you got to root for him because he's ours now, as in Mitchell Trubisky. But we don't. I don't want this kid. We didn't need the quarterback. We had Mike Glennon. Um, you know, we should have just been moving forward. You know, Glennon and Sanchez and Connor Shaw. That should be our quarterback room right now. Wish Mitchell Trubisky all the best with whoever was left to pick him. 
uh, in the first round and let's go get Solomon Thomas or a Jonathan Allen or God help us Jamal Adams. Uh, you know, I, I, I just know that kid's going to be a beast uh, with the Jets. But, um, you know, it just seemed like everything that we did in the draft was redundant of what we did in the uh, in, in free agency. We signed a quarterback in, in Glennon and then we draft a quarterback with our top choice uh, in Trubisky. We, we go out and we sign uh, Deion Sims to help bolster our tight end position. And then we draft, uh, you know, Adam Sheehan, uh, Shaheen or Sheehan, Shaheen, Sheehan. Sorry, I'm, one of these days I'm going to get that, get that kid's name right. Maybe when he starts scoring touchdowns for us. But we go ahead and we draft him. Uh, you know, we go ahead and we get a Tariq Cohen. So now that we have like seven running backs on the active roster, uh, right now, uh, you know, and waiting until the fourth round to take Eddie Jackson, who has all the potential in the world, but has an injury history in the last two seasons. He's finished the, you know, the year on the shelf with the knee injury and a broken leg. So, uh, you know, it's just like everything the bears did left you scratching your head. So it's not uh, a mystery at all as to why some, you know, uh, anonymous executives, uh, for this guy that was writing this piece would, um, give the bears the grade uh, that they did. So it's not just bear fans that are scratching their heads over the moves that the bears made. Cause you know, a lot of times you hear some, some executives go to bat for moves that other GMs and such will make um, because you know, behind the scenes, it all means something different than it does to us uh, as fans uh, on the surface. Um, this time, I guess we as fans uh, and, and disappointed bears fans and the executives in the NFL are all scratching our heads by what Ryan Pace uh, and John Fox have done here in the offseason. So uh, we can all be surprised together uh, if this whole thing uh, succeeds. So that was basically all I had. Uh, the only other real news coming out of uh, just the NFL in general that may or may not affect the Bears uh, is uh, wide receivers uh, that have become available in the last week or so. Uh, Eric Decker from the Jets and uh, Jeremy Macklin uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, both released by their respective franchises, um, making the rounds uh, in in their newfound uh, free agency. Um, the only thing I've heard so far is Jeremy Macklin made a visit to the Ravens and left the facility without a contract. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think that Chicago was listed as a a um, destination. Is the word I'm looking for. Destination was, uh, you know, on the list for, for Macklin. So I don't know how possible that is. I have heard it, that, that it might be a good place for Eric Decker for one reason or another, who, uh, signed a free agent deal with the jets after the 2013, 2014, uh, season. Uh, he used to be with the Broncos and, you know, had big success while Peyton Manning was out there. Hasn't exactly been lighting up the world, uh, with the jets. So, um, you know, since the Bears seem to be keen on taking everybody's castoffs this particular offseason, why not give Eric Decker a shot as well? So we'll, we'll, we'll have to, as I always love to say, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But, the, you know, that's the only other real news coming out of the league right now is um, Macklin and Decker becoming uh, available uh, this late in the offseason and, and left looking for new jobs as... Uh, as uh, training camp closes in. So anyway, that's going to do it for our little news and nose section. So we'll go ahead and wrap this up and we'll bring in Kyle Phelps from SB Nation Cincy Jungle to talk about this team. And, and the Bengals 
you know, one of those teams I've, I've always kind of kept an eye on it. You know, I, like I said last week about the, uh, the Browns have a sense of sentimental attachment to them because they were one of the better teams in the league when I was really cutting my teeth on pro football, the 80, 80, that whole 85 to about 88, uh, you know, area in, in, in NFL history when the bears were great, um, you know, the Broncos and the Browns having those epic AFC championship games, those back-to-back years. And then in 88, uh, the bears go 12 and four. They're the top seed in the league. We play, make it to the NFC championship game, uh, get blasted by the 49ers on the other side in the AFC, was when the Bengals were having an epic season uh, and the icky shuffle, they took the country by storm uh, and so on. So this is kind of another team that I have somewhat of a sentimental attachment to because they were one of the teams when I was uh, first starting to follow the league in general uh, as a kid. So um, watching what's happened to them over the years when they, for a while there, especially like in the 90s and into the early 2000s where they were the butt of the joke uh, in the NFL, enter Marvin Lewis, and he's been somewhat of a savior uh, for the Bengals after a few rough years. Uh, from 2009 on, they've been the, in the playoffs a lot more than they have, and, and last year being one of the first times, first times since 2009 that they haven't made uh, the playoffs. And this is actually a team, and I'm going to talk to Kyle about this. Is uh, this basically is a team that still hasn't recovered from that meltdown they had? in that AFC wildcard game after the 2015 season where it looked like they had the game in hand against the Steelers and then all hell breaks loose, personal foul after personal foul, and next thing you know, the Steelers kick a field goal to win the game and and so on and so forth. And it just really seemed like this is a team that hasn't recovered from them. And I thought that after that game, Marvin Lewis's ass was out the door. Like he had, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious that he can, he's only been able to take this franchise so far. They've been to the playoffs seven times since Marvin Lewis has been head coach. They're 0-7 in that time. They have not won a playoff game, and it just seems like it's time you know, for somebody else to try, kind of like my, my stance on Lovey Smith. You don't want to see him go. You know he's a solid head coach, but it just seems obvious that the destiny for him and this franchise is to make it to the playoffs but to never make it any further and you know, maybe bring somebody else who can, uh, you know, bridge the gap between making it to the playoffs and winning in the playoffs. So we'll talk to Kyle about that and many other things as we go ahead and have our chance to talk to him about the 2017 Cincinnati Bengals. And as we continue to move along here in the AFC North previews, we now move on to the Cincinnati Bengals and here to help us out with uh, previewing these, uh, this, uh, this, this, this organization um, is uh, Kyle Phelps from uh, SB Nation Cincy Jungle. Kyle, welcome to the Chicago Bears Review. Oh, thanks for having me, Larry. You know, as uh, you know, I, I we were going back and forth with the emails, and I and I kind of gave you a heads up. I usually don't do that, as far as uh, like when we have new people on the show, we like to ask, you know, wh- what your fandom lineage is. You know, uh, where are you from? Uh, how long have you been a fan? Do you have a favorite Cincinnati Bengals moment? So, what would that be for you? Have you been a Cincinnati Bengal fan all your life? You know, watching your dad watch the games and the fan that way, or how did the Cincinnati Bengals enter your life? Yeah, um, well, uh, you know, like you said, I pretty much uh, 
my dad was a huge Bengals fan growing up, and um, for me, it was just, you know, I was always going to the games. He had season tickets. Oh, nice. 2005, which is an interesting year. You know, they finally made the playoffs for the first time in my life in 2005. Right. And, uh, you know, they get there, and then they lose in that horrible game where Palmer hurt his knee against the Steelers, and that was awful. And then after that, we just couldn't get season tickets anymore, and that's when they started getting, well, they, they weren't great for a couple of years after that, but they started getting generally good after that. Right. And... So pretty much all I know about going to Bengals uh, games and stuff like that that is just, you know, kind of what Browns fans know now, you know, just sticking by a team even though they're terrible. Right. And so now, if you ask about a favorite Bengals moment, it's basically, I mean, a lot of stuff that's been happening lately. It's awesome to see the team doing so well. I just wish that, you know, I could actually be down there for the games like I used to be um, now that they're actually doing well. It's it's an interesting experience. Right, right. You know, as I was just uh, mentioning when I was doing my opening segment there, talking about, um, you know, having somewhat of a... And I think maybe it's just an old AFC Central thing. Um, You know, because when I was... I'm I'm a child of the 80s when I was coming up. The first real year that I remember being into football, as far as, like, following everything, was 85 when the Bears, uh, you know, went to the Super Bowl and did their thing. Right, right. And everything. And then, you know, cutting my teeth the rest of the way... The Bears were still one of the elite teams throughout the second half of the 80s. They didn't win any more championships. They were always in the mix. And then on the AFC side, you had the Broncos and and the Browns always going at it in those AFC championship games. And then in 88, Icky Shuffle, the Bengals. And, you know, that's really one of the first years that, 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 uh, that the stadium was referred to as the jungle, or at least that's when it took national importance. Uh, right. anyway and and the whole thing with the the stadium out there and um you know so i think i've and you know watching them falter throughout the the 80s with the the bad coaching choices you got your bruce coslitz and and which one of the shoeless was head coach it was uh david Shula, david now, Shula. He, now he owns a steakhouse like, is that right know, he's not even doing football anymore wow <laughs> that's talk about a fall from grace okay great your former head coach now owns a steakhouse that's and that is what he's doing with his life now um, uh, that yeah. was the last I heard. Exactly. So, but it's you know watching all of that, making you know David Klingler your top draft choice, and you know things like oh, that boy. going on uh, all those years, and then finally you know you get Marvin Lewis, who was one of the hottest coaching prospects out there uh, in the mid uh, mid two thousands there, and he finally gets things turned around. Now, the one thing that I want to talk about going into this, as we kind of you know transition our way into um the 2016 schedule was like after watching last year it it seemed like this was a team that really still hadn't recovered from the meltdown that happened in the afc wildcard game against the steelers at the end of 2015 yeah Yeah, they they certainly that certainly kind of uh threw a wrench into things and i think in 2016 it was all about i mean you know they had all that roster turnover and everything yeah um, you know, players left, coaches left, and everything. And after 2015, it was like everybody kind of wanted to get back to that, but they didn't realize it was going to be there was going to be a building process that went along with moving on from all that. Especially after all the you know top players we lost. I mean, you know, like especially Marvin Jones. Like, hopefully now we got you know John Ross, who's going to be that number two guy next to AJ Green. But ever since Marvin went, there just wasn't really much of nothing. Yeah, because the AJ Green became like one. I mean, you have, we also have Tyler Eifert, but the big thing about last year was that AJ Green and Tyler Eifert, basically one and two as far as your offensive weapons are concerned, they were injured for the majority uh, of the 2016 oh, yeah. season. You you lost your running back. Was it uh, 
Bernard went down with about six or seven games uh, to go. So you're navigating these muddy waters, and you don't really have anybody uh, to do it uh, with. And, right. um, you know, one question before we get to that was, you know, as a Bengals fan, help me understand, because I thought for sure mm-hmm. that – you know, Marvin Lewis, it, it, you know, it, it very much reminded me of when the Bears let Lovey Smith go, that the Bears had always had more success with Lovey than they did without him. But it was clear that Lovey could only take this team so far and that it was time for somebody else to right. try. And, you know, I kind of feel like that's the thing with Marvin Lewis, but the the Bengals just won't let the guy go. I mean, he it's obvious that he can get you guys to the playoffs, but he's 0-7 as a coach in the playoffs with the Bengals, why are the Bengals uh-huh. still hanging on to this guy as to, you know, all the all the times, the chances they've had to let him go, they keep bringing him back, and he keeps vindicating them by getting playoff appearances, but once you get to the playoffs, you're one and done, and, and then that's the mm-hmm. end of it. Well, the owner of the team, Mike Brown, um, has and, and his, his father, Paul Brown, was this way a lot. He's very focused on um, loyalty and sticking by his guys. That's why guys like... David Shula and Bruce Cosley. Bruce Cosley was actually our offensive coordinator in the AFC Championship. I mean, they, Mike Brown likes his guys, and he doesn't right. like to he, he likes to show loyalty himself, and that's why I think he's been doing a lot with Marvin. Um, and in some cases, Marvin, you know, he turned the team around from the absolute abysmal horribleness that was the '90s. Yeah, you got to give him credit for that. But at the same time, like you know, it's like you said with Lovey Smith. I do feel like the team has kind of hit a wall. And I think a big reason why um, Mike Brown isn't wanting to get rid of him and find somebody else is because, you know, it's it, it's like, you know, he already he knows what he's got with Marvin. And Marvin's been doing a decent enough job. Like, you know, it's like, you know, if you go out and get somebody else, there's a much higher chance that you're going to get somebody who, you know, wrecks the team or is like on Marvin's level but, Mar- but Mike Brown doesn't have the same amount of experience with as opposed to finding somebody like, you know, like a, like a, randomly finding like a Vince Lombardi or a Tom Landry or a Mike Ditka. Right. So, I mean, do you think it's fear more than anything that drives Mike Brown to not let uh, Marvin Lewis go? Like he's afraid that it will, like they'll regress before they move forward? I I, that's really honestly what, um, the, I mean, I haven't um, actually talked to Mike Brown myself about it. But that's that's a lot of the arguments I've I've ever heard about keeping Marvin around. And even like me personally, I've been, you know, getting – Marvin Lewis side for a while but for the longest time I was one of the people who was saying no let's keep him around and a lot of that was you know just the kind of fear of going back to the you know we were going to be three and 13 every year five and 11 years in the 90s like the best year we had was we had one period of time where we went we went seven to nine eight and eight and seven to nine and I believe that was 95 96 and 97 and all the entirety of surrounding that it was just you know all the horrible losing seasons that just had nothing and so I, I think Bengals fans that support Marvin just don't you know want to have anything to do with that ever again, and I think Mike Brown doesn't want to have anything to do with that ever again because, I mean, we remember what it was like trying to get a new stadium in 2000, and Bengals fans were just like, why would we build a stadium for this team that doesn't bring anything of value to our city? Right. And yeah, I don't, I just don't think that the Brown family wants to go through that again. Marvin Lewis has brought the team a lot of stability that they just didn't have before. Yeah, no argument there for sure. I mean, it's. Uh... You know, they're they're in part of the uh, you know discussion uh, every season. I mean, I think the other thing in, in 2015, you guys went 12 and four, so it's hard to let a coach go after he just <laughs> won 12 games uh, for you. But uh, right. the way that it all kind right. of fell apart, it, it just kind of seemed like the whole 
uh, philosophy of, of getting those questionable character guys that are super talented in your locker room seeming to backfire in that game, especially, you know, with, with Vontez Perfect and then Adam Jones with, with their, you know, blunders that gave the, the Steelers the, the chance to, to kick that field goal and, and everything to, uh, to win really, the game. Really, the biggest problem in that game was Jeremy Hill fumbling the ball when we had the game. Like, yeah. Perfect's thing, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The Pac-Man's thing, yeah, but it was Jeremy Hill's fumble. And a lot of that, the way I see it, a lot of that has to do with, you know, Marvin Lewis. It's kind of like with Marty Schottenheimer when he had that whole thing in the, I think it was the AFC Championship against yeah. the Patriots. The Marty Ball. you got to tell him, don't, you have one job, and it's, that's to not fumble the ball. You, I don't care if you go negative yards, just don't fumble the ball, and we can run the clock out. That's all you got to do. Right. Well, you go from 12 and f- 12 and 4, you guys won the division that year, right? 12 and 4, 2015. Yeah, that we did. Yeah, and then you go 6 9 and 1 last year, a season that was just, um, you know, it kind of reminded me of what was happening with the Bears. Just about anybody that mattered to you guys was on injured reserve or something uh, at one point uh, or another. Um, You know, got off to a slow start. Um, You know, you you beat the Jets week one in in an argument. People thought that actually you guys should have lost. I think it was like an extra point or something. They got missed that won the game yeah. for Cincy week yeah, one. Yeah, close game. Yeah. Uh, lose to the Steelers, then the Broncos week two and three. You beat the Dolphins. Um, lost to the Cowboys. I mean, then the, like, the point margins were starting to get wider here. 28-14 to Dallas, 20, 35-17 to the Patriots. Then you beat the Browns. Well, everybody did, so no big, <laughs> you know. Then that tie game against the Redskins. And I watched that game. And, you know, when they went back and forth missing field goals, it seemed like nobody wanted to win the game, so nobody did. I mean, granted, this game was over. That was in the U.K., wasn't it? Yeah, it the Washington was, game? that was in London. Yeah, and, um, you know, both teams had chances there in overtime to, to win the game and just kept missing, kept missing field goals uh, for that one. Then um, three-game losing streak out of the bye, the Giants, the Bills, and the Ravens. You, you beat Philly and the in Cleveland and then losing to Pittsburgh and Houston before finishing off the season with a win over the Ravens. So six, nine and one. And I was just reading up some on, on the Bengals there. And it's, this is the first time in a long time that Marvin Lewis didn't get a contract extension going into this year. So this is contractually his last season in Cincinnati. Yeah. um, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of Marvin Lewis's, you know, quote unquote last season in Cincinnati. I wouldn't necessarily (laughs) I would I would say I would say don't hold your breath on that one. Okay, all right. So we move into free agency, and and the Bengals not exactly the most uh, active uh, team in free agency. They they kind of uh, did a back to the future deal with uh, bringing uh, Andre Smith, the former number six overall pick, bringing him back to Cincinnati after one year in in uh, Minnesota. Uh, you uh, resigned uh, or signed Kevin Minter away from the Cardinals, which actually kind of looked like a trade because you got Kevin Minter. And uh, the Cardinals got Carlos Dansby, so it almost looked like you guys yeah. made a trade there. And then Chris Smith uh, from the Jaguars joins the joins mm-hmm. the team as well. So, any, did, I mean, did you like the moves that they made, bringing Andre Smith back, going out and getting Minter? Uh, anything you wish they had done that they didn't? Well, uh, one thing with you know Andre Smith, and I, I think in the long run, I can kind of see what they were going for. They wanted like with, with losing Whitworth and Zeitler, um, right? Yeah, I think you know it. it it was important to kind of bring back, you know, some sort of veteran presence on the team. It's just the problem with Andre Smith is, you know, he's he's had issues in the past of showing up to camp um, overweight, out of shape, and 
you know, he, he always just never he, – he always seemed to have a lot of consistency problems on the field. So, like, I, mean, I get bringing him back, and supposedly – um, like you know, he's been a right tackle for his whole career, but supposedly they're actually bringing him back this year and trying to switch him over to right guard um, because they're trying to um, get Jake Fisher in there at right tackle. And I think that's an interesting move for them, but I don't think they need to. I, th- I think they need to be kind of looking long term for somebody other than Andre Smith. We made him a top ten draft pick back in like 2009, and. I remember sitting there thinking, I'm like, really, this guy? The guy who was like his his most notable moment was – he's kind of like the opposite of John Ross. John Ross's most notable moment for the draft was breaking the combine record. And Andre Smith's was like that hilarious video of him running with his shirt off. Like, Right, yeah. And yeah then, like of all, of all people, this is the guy we made the number uh, six or nine or whatever pick it was. Yeah, and then, uh, f- then famously during uh, Hard Knocks, his uh, teammates making fun of him. Um, yeah. As- Especially with the with the floppy man boobs uh, in uh, in you know and it's showing uh, the because he was holding out his rookie year right yeah I always kind of felt like he never really gelled quite so much with the other offensive linemen and I think that's it had a lot to do with why he was so inconsistent on the field but um, I mean I, I think in general it was an all right move it wasn't really a great move wasn't a horrible move the best move was Kevin Mentor I think especially because you know you know. I'd, Ray, Ray Maluga has been one of my favorite Bengals players for a while just because, you know, he's a mainstay and all that. But I do think it was kind of his time to go. And bringing in a young, um, in-their-prime kind of linebacker-like mentor, that's something the Bengals don't do often. And I'm just – I'm personally really interested to see how that works out. Well, I mean, uh, you mentioned Maluga, and it's um, one of the, the, the NFL preview magazines I was looking at and made a point to say that you know, Malaluga, Dumata Pico, and um, Andre Whitworth uh, all gone for the first time since 2004 that one of those guys won't be uh, on the roster. Yeah. You also mentioned Kevin Zeitler, who stayed in division, went to the Browns. Whitworth's move, to me, actually looked more like a cash grab than, than anything else. I mean, he's going to the Rams, and it, it I don't thoroughly see, like, lots of W's happening in uh, in Los Angeles, but... That, well, that was a very complicated situation with Whitworth. It was like he's been, you know, Mister Bengal for his whole time here, and he's like he's the face of the, uh, well, not the face of the franchise, but to like the other players, he's the face of the team. Like you know, he's the big leader guy who gets in the locker room and makes the big speeches and everything. And I think for him, it was just like the Bengals kept trying to lowball him on the contract extensions, and they mm-hmm. wanted to bring him back, but they also realized that you know he's getting up there in age and. They, he what it always sounded like was he was trying to lowball them, or they were trying to lowball him, and he felt kind of disrespected by it. So he made the, uh, and it, this has been happening over the course of a couple of years. So this isn't the first time that they've lowballed him, and he's felt disrespected about it. But um, I think he just kind of um, finally made the decision in his head he was going to move on to another team, and the Rams were probably the ones who. Um, offered the uh, most amount of money. So it's kind of like it was a cash grab, but I think the cash grab part of it was just kind of like that only kind of came into the equation after he'd made the decision to move away from the team. Sure, sure. So then we move on to the draft, and that's where the the Bengals made headlines in both the first and second round. Made it in the first round by making a guy like John Ross a top 10 pick, taking him ninth overall out of Washington, and then they really raised some eyebrows uh, eyebrows in the second, but it also like kind of goes with what we were talking about before. The, this is also a team that's never been afraid to take a character guy off the board, or you know, bring him in as a free agent, mm-hmm. a la Adam Jones, and uh, and so on. 
they they draft Joe Mixon, um, the running back out of Oklahoma, who was who still had that controversy hanging over his head about that altercation he had with that girl in the bar that he punched in the face. Um, but they made him the second over or their second round uh, draft choice, forty eighth uh, overall. And um, you know, even though it was kind of a point in the draft where a lot of people thought he might go, like talent wise, he's a first round guy, but probably didn't expect him to go till the second or third round, and somebody would probably step up and take him and instead the the yeah. the, the Bengals uh, step up and take him early in the second round right um well there were there were some people as I recall there were some people at I mean it, I don't know how long it lasted I just remember at one point I remember right a potential undrafted guy um just because you know there were so many people who were so against him because of what he did and I mean it makes sense it was it was a terrible horrible thing although yeah. I will say, you know, it was it happened when the guy was 18, and, and as bad as it was, um, he apologized for it, and he hasn't had any instance like that since. So, I mean, I feel like he's actually made a concerted effort to kind of get things together. So, from what I've seen from him so far in camp, um, he looks like he's kind of getting everything together. Um, he kind of he, he I think he showed up initially um, about 10 pounds. Of- and he said ever since he dropped it, he's been feeling fantastic and roaring to go. So I think the Bengals made a good pick with him. Um, personally, I wanted the Bengals to uh, take Alvin Kamara out of Tennessee because I felt mm-hmm. like he had – like I think Mixon was the more talented, but I felt like Kamara had a lot of the you know, same traits and stuff like that and also didn't have all the baggage. Right. So I wanted them to take Kamara. But I'm not, I'm not upset that they took Mixon. I just you know, wasn't the guy I was looking at. Sure, sure. And then, you know, John Ross, like you said, broke the combine record for the fastest uh, 40 time. It was like 4.21 4. or 2.2 2 yeah. or whatever. Uh, it ended up being. 2.2, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of, that's, you know, lightning fast, uh, you know, for a human being. Um, and, um, you know, other other moves, Carl Lawson from, from Auburn. You got Jordan Willis out of Kansas State. Any other of the draft choices that you're really excited about? Yeah, uh, the kicker, Jake Elliott. Um, okay. I know kickers aren't like – I mean, more or less, some people some people see kickers as like, you know, a pick to talk about. Some people see him as just, oh, they're just a kicker. They're not even a real football player. You know, ha, ha, ha. But, um, like, after the problems we had with Mike Nugent last year and all, like, I mean, he, he missed a couple field goals and extra points. And this has kind of been a trend that's developing uh, with him since about, like, 2014. And I think he – as soon as he started missing, I think it really let him uh, affect his confidence and his his abilities kind of hit consistently. And every, everything I've ever read about Jake Elliott says, like, he's the opposite. If he misses, uh, he doesn't let it get to him. He's just like, okay, well, I'll go back out there and try again. I think that's why the Bengals uh, took him over uh, Zane Gonzalez, who everybody kind of everybody else kind of thought was, oh, well, this is the – this is the number one guy. This is the guy that you got to go for. If you're going to draft any kick, you draft Zane Gonzalez. But the Bengals were like, now nah, we'll take Jake Elliott because, you know, he's got thick skin. And that's kind of what the Bengals have been lacking in the kicking department for a while. Right. Well, at least you didn't give up like two or three draft choices and then trade into the second round to take him. So, you know, you gave up, <laughs> you used him with one of your two fifth round choices. So it's not exactly something that's, that's really going to hurt if it doesn't work out. So, um, you know, yeah. Any anyone in the in the undrafted free agent pool that you guys signed that you're uh, excited about? Oh yeah, um, you know a couple different guys who I think could all with our running back situation right now. Since you know, um, 
really hadn't been living up to expectations over the last couple of years. Giovanni Bernard's been having injury problems, and we just we don't know what we're getting out of Mixon. Um, Rex Burkhead moved on, and so the only the only running back we really know exactly what we're getting with is Cedric Pierman, who's like 31, and you know all he really ever does is contribute on special teams. Great special teams player, but at running back, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't start him. So uh, we got we got this uh, running back out of Kentucky uh, called Stanley Williams, uh, nicknamed Boom Boom Williams. Hmm. And he's he's kind of like I'd, I'd kind of compare him to like Darren Sproles because he like he's super small and everybody's like oh well he's super undersized but it's like yeah but he uses that to his advantage if you ever saw anything he did at Kentucky um, and Kentucky is not known for its football program but he made things exciting down there right and uh, it, the agility the ability to catch, uh, pa- uh, catch passes out of the backfield. I, I think he could really he, – he could be all maybe the next Rex Burkhead for us. Yeah, the Bears drafted a guy like that as well, uh, Tariq Cohen out of, I think, North Carolina A&T or something, some little out-of-the-way Division right. II school. Um, but, um, you know, Bear fans who who like to be apologists uh, for, for our team when they make moves like that, uh, you know, we've already got like five or six running backs on the roster and then we draft one. Um, you know, kind of saying like this, this guy is supposed to be Ryan Pace, our general manager. This is going to be his Darren Sproles because Pace came from New Orleans where Darren Sproles really made a name for himself. So, um, we'll have to, to see, uh, about that one. So, um, you know, so headlines aside in the first and second round with Ross, uh, and Mixon seems like you're overall pretty happy with the, with the draft class. Oh, I'm thrilled with the draft class. The, um, I, w- I wouldn't say there were any picks that I particularly didn't like. The only one was, like, in the seventh round, we took uh, Mason Shrek, uh, tight end out of Buffalo. And, I mean, he, from what I've read about him, he seems like a fantastic player. I'm sure he'll um, do whatever he can to uh, – but it's, it just sees, it feels like there's not really any room for him on the roster. We got Tyler Eifert, who's you – know, I'd I tell you right now, Tyler Eifert ain't going anywhere. Right. Um, Tyler Croft, who's he's kind of like the guy we drafted a couple years ago to kind of be the compliment to Tyler Eifert, and he's been developing slowly, but he's—I mean—he's he, still the guy who the, the team's committed to him. Um, we got C.J. Ozama, who's the third string, and uh, I mean he's—he's he's flash talent. I don't see any reason why the Bengals would you know just immediately get rid of him for no reason. Uh, we got Ryan Hewitt, who's you know he's our fullback technically, but he's you know his natural position. If we were to have to have a fourth tight end, it would be him. So I just don't see any room for uh, Mason Trek on the um, roster, and I, I don't really get. Like, I mean, I get taking a guy in the seventh round just for their pure talent or whatever, but I feel like maybe take a guy who has a better chance of making the roster. Sure, sure. So we move on to to 2017 and the schedule, and I always like to look at the schedule to see how it is the NFL uh, is treating a certain organization and. This schedule is it's it's in bunches. This schedule you you start off with two games at home, then two games on the road, then uh, mm-hmm. you know you got an early buy in, in week six, um, and then in this from from week seven on, you have four out of five on the road uh, after the buy. You're at Pittsburgh, home for Indy, then three game road uh, streak there, uh, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Denver. Uh, Denver, of course, not being a very forgiving. Uh, place for visitors then you have three straight at home cleveland pittsburgh and then our game week 14 in against chicago and then finish at minnesota home for the lions and then at 
the Ravens. So you bookend this year with the Ravens. You start with them and you finish with them uh, this season. And then right there, like I said, in the middle, that four out of five games uh, on the road, That's uh, that sucks. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't like right. to see that if that was my team. I mean, the way I see it is, um, you know, the – the whole point of the season, and maybe this is a weird perspective for me to have as a Bengals fan, but the whole point of the season is to do well in the playoffs, right? Like, you, you do the regular season so that you have a chance to do well in the playoffs. And everything you do in the playoffs is based off of what you did in the regular season. Right. So I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want my team to have an easy uh, easy schedule during the season. I want it to be tough, and that way when it comes to playoff time, they're battle-tested and they're ready for whatever comes at them. Sure, yeah. No, I can definitely get behind that, but... Four out of five games on the road, that seems like it could be very taxing uh, on, on my team. You, know, I mean, you, you seem to have uh, you know, guys coming up with injuries when you're constantly traveling uh, like you guys will have true. to for the entire month of uh, November. Essentially, you guys are, are away from home. So um, That's true. Maybe not the best time to have a road streak like that. Yeah. So, I mean, especially coming off the, the bye, you got one week out of five that you're at uh, home. But, you know, when, uh, when it's getting crunch time, week 12 through 17 – you know, four out of the last six games are in Cincinnati. So that's uh, also a good time to be able to hunker down uh, as well. Right. So, you know, the, the you got an, uh, your Thursday night game, you get that one out of the way early, week number two against the, the Texans. So that first two games really going to be, a, you know, a measuring stick for the, for the Bengals because you're starting out with the Ravens, which is a team that everyone expects to bounce back this year. And then mm-hmm. four days later, you got to take on the Texans, you know, it's not really much of an accomplishment, but they are the two-time defending AFC South champions that have always been envisioned, at least in the last couple of years, to be a quarterback away. They went out and drafted Deshaun Watson. How will he perform? Which was, it's you know, in what is basically looking to be his first national TV appearance as their quarterback. And you know, it's going right. to be in Cincinnati on the road. Uh, you know, the jungle is not, uh, you know, is a tough place to play for visitors. And how will it be for? for a rookie quarterback starting only his second game four days after he started his first one, you know? Well, I do think as far as um, Watson being a rookie goes, I do feel like that kind of plays into our hands as far as, uh, you know, uh, potentially the team performing well against the upcoming rookie quarterback. And I think it might be kind of tough for him to adjust to a kind of environment like that. Um, but it's, it's the Texans. Yeah, that's like – we're always – there's so many times we're expected to beat the Texans, and then they just kind of come out of nowhere and just smack us in the face. Like, it, it seems like every year, especially like when we first started making the playoffs consistently, 2011-2012, you know, we were the wild card team. I think they were the favorite technically. Right. Like the Bengals were on a roll and ready to get things taken care of. And they came upon the Texans, and they just laid an egg. And 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, every time we play them, it's just like – I, th- I think we did win one of those games, but for the most part, the Texans got our number. Um, so it, it'll be an interesting game. There's, there's there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think um, the Texans' history with us be maybe not the best part of it, but we might be helped by the fact that we got a rookie com- quarterback coming up against us. Right. Then you got back-to-back road games at Green Bay, at Cleveland, before uh, you come back home to place Buffalo, um, and then you're on the bye week number Six. So, are you are you a fan of the week six bye week? Would you wish it was a little later in the season? <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm actually no. I'm, I'm maybe on the 
later end of the middle of the season, but I would prefer it to be in the middle of the season because you don't want guys being rested in like week 12, I don't think, because you got the playoffs coming up. Now, obviously, I mean, who knows if the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. I certainly think they have a good chance, but yeah, I'd like to think of this as, you know, they're going to make the playoffs and I would rather not have them be rested in week 12 and then, you know, rusty once they kind of uh, get into like week 13 and the real big playoff push time to get going and really buckle down, but they're rested. And I mean, the Bengals don't exactly have the best history with playing after the bye week. I'd, I don't know what the exact numbers are with Marvin Lewis uh, and his tenure, but um, it's, it's like the winning percentage after the bye week under Marvin Lewis is pretty abysmal for this team. Is that right? I'd rather be back. I'd rather be more towards the middle of the season so they have more time to kind of get it together and adjust. Well, especially since you're coming off the bye at Pittsburgh. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty big game uh, for right, you guys. Right. Um, you know, on the road at the Steelers, a division game, you know, and, and that's the game that you have to come off the bye with when 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 Marvin Lewis doesn't have the best record coming off of a, of a bye. That's a pretty mm-hmm. big game for them to be coming back to. So um, only no one better other... test them. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, you'll be plenty rested for that game, that's for sure. Uh, you have two weeks to get mm-hmm. ready for them. But, um, you sure. know, then your only other national TV game is against the Steelers on Monday night football during that three-game home stretch there at the end of uh, November and into um, December. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, like I said, when I was looking at this thing and, and I see that everything's like coupled up in, in bunches, uh, the Bears have a, home away pattern for like the first eight weeks of the season they're home then they're away they're home mm-hmm. then they're away they're home then and they're away i'm not exactly a big fan uh of that you know just because there's no two game home streaks or anything like that and but i think i would prefer that over you know the the bunches that you get three games on the road four out of five then three games at home uh kind of thing but when i'm looking at your road games there's not a lot of scary road games on your schedule this year at Green Bay, that's that's going to be tough at Pittsburgh always. But you're at Jacksonville, you're at Tennessee, and yeah, you're going to Denver. But the Broncos aren't exactly the most formidable team, or at least they weren't last year. And then you're at Minnesota, that's a team that's still looking to come back. And then I've seen you guys win in Baltimore more than I've seen you lose there. So when you're closing out the schedule there this year, I'm not exactly worried about what may or may not happen uh, against Baltimore, right. but. You know, like that four out of game, four out of five road game stretch that you have there. You know, yeah, it's going to suck. You're going to be on the road four out of five weeks, but your opponents give you a good chance to win because you're probably going to be the better team. I would think so. Um, as as far as like which particular road game, um, I think I mean obviously the Pittsburgh game means the most. Like uh, right. let's be honest, uh, people say people say the Ravens are coming up, uh, are going to bounce back this year. And who knows, they might, but historically, I mean, historically, the Ravens have been, you know, all over the Bengals, and there's not been too much competition. But lately, it's uh, like in the Dalton era, ever since Dalton showed up, Dalton and Green, Marvin Lewis kind of got everything together. They've actually been uh, performing pretty well against the Ravens. And, you know, like you said, they have been winning more often than they lost against the Ravens. Joe Flacco has been uh, kind of an interception machine um, Mm -hmm. against the Bengals in recent years. And so I'm not quite as worried about them as I would be about the Steelers. And I mean that's maybe a taboo thing to say in Cincinnati cuz I, I don't know if you I don't know if you know but they don't like the Steelers too much down here. Um but uh 
for the, the Steelers are they're the big team and with Ben Roethlisberger coming back for another year, yeah, he's old, yeah, he's injury prone, yeah, all this, this, and this. But I mean, he's still Ben Roethlisberger. He's still, yeah. you know, he's still the most formidable quarterback in the division, bar none. Um, I'd even say at this point, I feel like Dalton has probably passed Flacco up. So I mean, you know, there's no competition to who's the best quarterback, and I, it makes me feel awful to say that, but it's true. Uh, and then you know, you got Antonio Brown, you got Le'Veon Bell, you got all those guys. Um, and you got a defense that's coming back up, and so I think I think those, I think the Monday night game in Cincinnati, but I think the game in Pittsburgh on the road is going to be critical to how the season turns out in the AFC North. I think it's going to come down to, uh, I think it's honestly going to come down to you know whether the Bengals or the Steelers want it more. So the 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 Steelers that would be the the rival for the Bengals uh, in the division because yeah. I was I was talking to my my, my I talked about uh, someone about the Browns last week and he too also said the Pittsburgh Steelers were more of the rival than yeah. the uh than the Bengals even though that of the whole in-state thing and the history between yeah. the two franchises were you know uh what's his name uh Modell gets rid of uh Paul Brown so he yeah. goes to Cincinnati and creates the Bengals and almost looks like he creates the Bengals in the Browns image similar team colors and the same initials and and yeah. the whole uh the whole uh, whole deal, it would be the Steelers and not the Browns that you would consider to be the top rival? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, again, maybe this is giving more respect to the Steelers than they deserve. But uh, for the most part, the AFC North isn't really like you – know, like a lot of divisions, you know, like there's two teams that are kind of like the big rivals and then the other team teams are other rivals. And, and the AFC North is more of like a muddy kind of conglomeration of everybody just hating everybody else just with you know, absolute – putrid hatred like <laughs> Bengals and the Steelers just especially in recent years like I mean it's always kind of the uh, the way my dad always told me and the way I kind of always know it's kind of growing up it's like the Bengals and Steelers didn't like each other but it wasn't really a big deal until about 2005 when they knocked us out of the playoffs by tearing Carson Palmer's ACL right and that's when things kind of got going and it, I mean really got going and you know it's just every year it's just you know the Steelers were you know playing I mean I People could argue this, and they could not argue this, but I would argue the Steelers, you know, get away with playing dirty a lot. Um, Heinz Ward, for example, breaking Keith Rivers' jaw, and what happened? Barely anything. Um, but what happens when Brontez Burfecht looks angrily at Le'Veon Bell? He gets suspended. Like, I mean, it's 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 not. I, I don't think it's right. Sure. But um, and it's but that's just the way it feels to me as a Bengals fan. Maybe it's different otherwise. But that's the point: is this a huge hatred and rivalry? And the Steelers feel the same way about us. I mean, maybe they'll they'll tell you the Ravens are their biggest rivals, but they still have that seething hatred of the Bengals that they have of the Browns and that they have of the Ravens. I mean, you look into any um, message board full of people from the AFC North, and it's just like pure, unrelenting, just despisal of everybody else. And it's it's a weird. Weird kind of phenomenon, but it is. Um, now, personally, I don't have too much of a problem with the Ravens, like as a Bengals fan, and it's mainly just because you know, like the Browns, they're kind of the uh, the other rival, and it's you know, it's got all the history and everything going on with that. And the Ravens have only just kind of come along recently, and lately we've been doing pretty well against them. So I don't really have too much disdain against them, but they are an AFC North team, and their fans do like to talk very not nicely about my team, so. <laughs> the rivalries are very muddy in the AFC North. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Being being from the NFC uh, North, there's a lot of uh, 
a lot of hatred uh, amongst the teams oh, yeah. uh, as well. So, I mean, everyone everyone has a different uh, a different choice for who their chief rival is. You know, the Bears. Uh, you know, uh, the Bears and the Packers. That's that's always going to be there. But for the Vikings, it's it's more like they go with the you know they go with the, like the the Packers would be there. Number one, the Lions, that's more of a Detroit and Chicago would be that big, you know, rivalry there. So it kind of crosses uh, over uh, in, in, in within the division. So I'm very familiar with, with how that, that all goes, uh, that, that, right. um, that division, that division hatred. It seems like it, it happens more in these two divisions than it does. Maybe the only, the only other one that I can really look at would probably be the AFC East as far as, you know, everyone has a different team that they're, that they that they hate more than than the other, you know, and uh, it always kind of right. surfaces uh, during those uh, during those weeks. So, so you guys finished six nine and one last year. So this will probably be the last one that I that I ask you. You look at the schedule. Where do you kind of see the Bengals falling this year? Like, where what what uh, what record do you think that uh, that they'll have in in twenty seventeen? Well, the Bengals kind of like you know twenty sixteen twenty seventeen off season. There's a lot of rebuilding, so I think it kind of really just kind of depends on how quickly the rebuilding takes effect and how well things kind of start to work out. But I think if things go decently well enough, um, I'm thinking – I don't think we're going to get back to where we were, um, you know, kind of like 2014, 2015, um, 2013 even. Um, I, I, don't, I think we kind of lost a big step after 2015 because of all that turnover. But I, I do think that there's – good chance they'll be competing for a playoff spot probably a wild card spot though i'm thinking nine and seven ten and six if they're you know really start achieving and i don't see a division championship i would love to see it i'd love to rub it in all the steelers fans faces sure yeah we've uh you know previously discussed but <laughs> um, I, I don't really see that happening um i mean i'll, I'll tell you if, if you ask me you know off the record I'll tell you, we'll beat them all day long. But you know, I think sure. right now maybe a bit of a professional, be a little more professional for me to be honest. And no, nah, probably not. Right. right. But I do think we'll be competing for that wild card spot. And who knows? Maybe they'll surprise people once they get to the playoffs. Maybe that'd be nice to see for the for the Bengals to finally, or for Marvin Lewis to to finally win one uh, in the uh, in the playoffs. I mean, talk about a guy who's earned it. You know, to turn around right. a franchise I think, I like he did. Think he deserves it. Yeah, for for him to turn out turn around a franchise in. Uh, in Cincinnati to, you know, to be a, a perennial playoff team as opposed to the perennial NFL joke constantly drafting in the top five and, and, and making bad choices at the same time uh, uh, as well mm-hmm. to, to, to a team that, uh, you know, seems to hit more than they miss on those draft choices and, and win more than they lose uh, when that hadn't been the, the lineage for the team for quite some time. So, um, you know, it, even though I sit here in amazement just about every year when I can't believe – they bring him back every single year. Not that I want Marvin Lewis to be fired. It's just like, you know, what's it going to take? You know, what's it going right. to take for? I mean, because there are teams that firing their coaches for a hell of a lot less than Marvin Lewis uh, has done uh, in Cincinnati, but they keep bringing the guy back. Uh, you know, it's just uh, wondering when somebody else is going to get a chance uh, out there in Cincinnati or to help. You know, like if they make the playoffs again and they're one and done again, what do you think is going to happen? Well, in all honesty, after last year. I think if they made the playoffs again, True. Mike Brown would just be like, here's another contract extension, right. Marvin. <laughs> oh, that's not what I think should happen. Right. I certainly certainly don't. And I mean, But I've also been uh, professing that attitude since roughly probably about after the 2013 season ended. After we lost that wild card game against the Chargers, 
at that point I was pretty much like, we got to find something else. I don't yeah. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but we got to find a different direction because it has just not been. We hit a wall, and and now we got to find something to get past the wall. And right. Marvin Lewis doesn't seem to have the tools to do it. Yeah, I think you and I are in agreement on that. That's that's right around the time that I that kind of got on the, um, you know, like I said, and I, and, I, and I hate to because it's such a negative thing for someone to be fired. But it, you know, for me, it's mm-hmm. more about the growth of the organization than it is about you know firing this coach and everything. It's like you know he's. He's obviously laid the groundwork. He's got them right. to a point where the Bengals are consistently, if they're not winning the division, they're at least in the playoffs, in the wild card, you know, and they're in the discussion. They're expected to be there every single year, but he can't move them past that point. So bring somebody else in uh-huh. that can try. You know, maybe he can do something that can help get them past that point. Marvin Lewis doesn't right. appear to be that person. Um, you know, maybe he'll have more success somewhere else. Um, but right. you know, Cincinnati doesn't seem to be in his destiny as far as championships uh, are concerned. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's time for someone else to try, as opposed to Marvin Lewis sucks and get him the hell out of there. That's not at all uh, what I'm saying. No. It's just that you know he is a great coach. He will definitely get another job someplace else. But with Cincinnati, maybe it's time to try something else. I've always kind of liked the term uh, honorable discharge for him. There you go. Because yeah. like you know, he did so many great things for the franchise, but. You know, maybe he's maybe he's kind of past his prime. Um, I, I do think uh, there's been a lot of talk among Bengals fans um, and the media and stuff like that. Not too much from within the Bengals organization, but of him. But just because the Bengals have been so good at drafting and player management and stuff like that for years, um, maybe moving him into more of a front office position and getting somebody else in to actually do the coaching. The problem is that's not the Bengals work. That's not the way the Bengals work. They uh, their front office positions are mainly reserved for families. Um, of Mike Brown, um, like the, the uh, pr- pretty much every major front office position, um, the general manager, Duke, uh, well, the player director of player personnel, quote unquote. They don't have a general manager, but the director of player personnel is Duke Tobin, and he's not a member of the family, but he's kind of like the exception of the rule. It'd be pretty surprising to see Marvin Lewis actually get into a front office position the way that the front office works in Cincinnati. But that would probably be the best way to do things because, you know, it's like Marvin Lewis doesn't deserve to be fired. He just, you know, maybe needs a you know, change of scenery, sure. a change of direction. Sure. Yeah, almost like how, uh, you know, Bobby Bowden was the head coach of Florida State for years, but it was Jimbo Fisher who was out there running the show. You know, like uh, uh, Bowden right. was, the, was the figurehead, if you will, but it was Jimbo Fisher that was really – uh, coaching the team, you know, to do something like that. But that would be unprecedented in the NFL for something like that uh, to be going on. But, um, you know, it, you know, and I, I kind of see, like, if that day does come, that Marvin Lewis would probably be one of the few coaches that gets an exit press conference as opposed to we've made a statement, he's fired, we're moving on. This would be like, you know, kind of like when the Bears let go of Mike Ditka, they had a press conference mm-hmm. to announce the dismissal uh, of Mike Ditka, and he, you know, was able to thank the organization, the fans, and so on and so forth. I could see something like that happening with Marvin Lewis, especially with all that he's done in his time in Cincinnati. Oh, there'd be no doubt. I would be, I would be actually shocked if um, they didn't have some sort of like honorary kind of thing with him. Um, I mean, even if the team had gone like you know 0 and 16 the previous season, I feel like it'd be kind of like you know the way any team sends off a great coach. You know, he's arguably the best coach in Bengals history, you know, right up there with Paul Brown. Although, um, as far as wins goes, Marvin has more. Then again, Marvin was, has been the coach longer than Paul Brown was the coach, but, you know. He's been out there since 2004. I didn't realize that he'd been that long. 
2003, I believe. Three. Okay. Well, there you go. Even longer. So, yep. you know what? Four, <laughs> 14, 15 seasons now as, as head coach out there uh, in Cincinnati. So, um, well, I, you know, like I said, I've I've always had somewhat of a sentimental attachment to the Bengals because uh, they were one of the better teams when I was first coming up and watching mm-hmm. uh, football. So we hope that uh, the Bengals can make it back uh, to the playoffs to kind of mix up things in the AFC because somebody's got to break this streak of New England, Pittsburgh, and Denver. Someone has to break it. And if it's the Bengals, that's all the more better, you know, because I'm sick of the same two teams, two, three teams being in the Super Bowl uh, in the AFC. They need to mix it up a lot better like the NFC does, you know. It, mm. it, it just seems like there's a lot more competition in the NFC than there is in the AFC. The AFC, a very top-heavy conference. If it's not Pittsburgh, Denver, or New England, something went horribly wrong in the AFC, and I would like to see that power structure get taken down, and hopefully the, the Bengals can be one of, those, uh, one of those teams. I think I would completely agree with you on that one. <laughs> 100%. All right. So, Kyle, thanks so much uh, for being on the show. Um, we'd love to have you back uh, in December when our teams play. It's uh, week 14, so it'll be a while before we talk again, but we'd love to have you on to help us uh, preview the game, be able to talk a lot about what's going on with this team. Like maybe, you know, five and a half months from now when that game's going to take place, we'll uh, we'll sit here and talk about, um, you know, so uh, Marvin Lewis is actually going to get fired this year, or it looks <laughs> like uh, another contract extension on 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 hand with you guys heading back to the playoffs and so on and so forth. So, but we'd love to have you back on uh, week 14 when the bears and the Bengals get ready to butt heads. I look forward to hearing from you. All right. Kyle Phelps, SB nation, uh, Cincy jungle. Where can we find you on Twitter? Um, my Twitter handle is, uh, Kyle Phelps, 92, all one word. Uh, I don't, I don't really use Twitter for much other than posting my, uh, Cincy jungle articles, but if you're looking to read Cincy jungle articles, that's the perfect place to find it. Yeah. I was just looking at that. Uh, before we got uh, before we got together, so Cincy Jungle, SB Nation, Kyle Phelps, thanks so much uh, for being on the show. We'll see you next time. All right. So as always, we want to thank our guest Kyle Phelps for coming on the show. Talk about the 2017 Bengals. We won't see him again. I said five and a half months, but it's actually six months almost to the day before we play uh, the Bengals. Today being June 10th. Yeah, so six months to the day. June 10th, and we play them on December the 10th. So six months from today, the Bears and the Bengals butt heads, uh, you know, in the jungle in in, in Cincinnati. So. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where where both teams sit uh, at that point uh, in the season. So, um, you know, looking forward to having him back on and, and being able to answer those questions. We talked a lot about Marvin Lewis and his future and his past uh, with the team. And it's, it's just always been one of those things that, that's, that I've always wondered. And it was like I said uh, in the interview, it's not that I want Marvin Lewis to get fired. It's not like I think he's a terrible coach who deserves to be uh, unemployed. It's just, the uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier with Lovey Smith, where it was, it's, uh, you know, he's obviously he, he can he can get the Bears to sus- a sustained level of success. We, we, we won a lot more with Lovey than we lost. Uh, uh, with him, but it would just seem like it was time for somebody else to try to take us to the to the next level. Unfortunately, that was an abysmal failure and has not worked out for the Bears uh, at all uh, since he 
since he left, but that was the philosophy behind the idea and, and, and a very similar one that I have as far as Marvin Lewis uh, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, it's obvious the guy is a great coach. That's why he's been able to stick it out there for 14, 15 uh, seasons, whichever this one happens to be uh, for him. But as far as like you can get him to the playoffs, he's been there more than he hasn't with Cincinnati, which is saying a lot considering their their uh, you know their history before he came to town. But um, you know, getting them there is one thing; doing something while you're there is another. And unfortunately, Marvin Lewis hasn't been able to make that happen. So maybe it's time for someone else to kind of bridge the gap and take them uh, to the next level to see if it's possible uh, to do so. And um, you know, I can definitely, definitely understand the reluctancy by the Brown family to do so. You know, you had so many missteps with head coaches before he came to town, and you've had more success than you have than you than you know than you've had in in recent years with this one person. So why not see if you can ride it out? And, and maybe they're they're almost like the Steelers in a way. Whereas uh, you know, how many years there were ten full seasons between. Super Bowl appearances for Bill Cowher in Pittsburgh. You know, they went to Super Bowl 30. They didn't make it back until Super Bowl 40. And yeah, they won some division titles, but they also had some down years, 6 and 10 uh, and things like that. But they stuck it out with him and they were rewarded with a, with a Super Bowl in 2005. Maybe they're hoping something like that can happen with Marvin Lewis. You know, we, we, we had playoff success. We had some failures, or not playoff success, but you know, season in, in regular season success, winning some division titles and getting to the playoffs on a regular basis like they did in Pittsburgh with Bill Cowher. One of these days, Marvin Lewis is going to get it right and win us a championship. Maybe that's why they continue to hang on to him, despite the fact that it's probably a, a better idea to to move on. And, and even if if you even if you have to take a step back for a year or two, um, you know, like uh, like Kyle was saying, they've done so well with drafting and maintaining those players that they have drafted, that maybe it wouldn't be such a big transition from one coaching regime uh, to another. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see uh, on that one. You know, I don't want Marvin Lewis to fail. I I would very much like to be able to say when we're talking to Kyle six months from now that, uh, you know, the Bengals look to be in a pretty secure spot. And Marvin Lewis obviously looks like he's going to have a job again in 2018 uh, and so on and so forth. But, you know, if they don't, then it's definitely time to cut bait uh, and move on. So, um, you know, I'll be definitely keeping my eye on what's going on with uh, with the Cincinnati Bengal job and, uh, you know, how the Bengals in general uh, are doing this season. So um, looks like that's going to wrap us up. Uh, we'll be back a little bit later on this week. Um, you know, I've kind of been doing these these things like right on the right on the weekend. That's just when I've been able to get my my subjects to come. Uh, you know, to clear the schedule to be able to come and and talk to me. But uh, our next team is the Baltimore Ravens. They'll be our, they are the second place finisher from, uh, from a year ago. So they'll be next. We're going to have Matt Stevens from Ravens wire, uh, the USA today uh, website. Uh, That's where we found Lauren Cox uh, from bears wire that, uh, that little uh, website there. Uh, We'll be having him on Wednesday night. So the show will probably be out sometime on Thursday. So you won't have to wait a full week between shows like we've had to do for the last few weeks since we got started with this. So uh, by the end of the week at the latest, Thursday, uh, Matt Stevens to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Um, And this is a team that also, in that AFC North division, a lot of competition there. uh, Aside, you know, the Cleveland Browns aside, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Bengals, always gutting it out and fighting for the top spot uh, in that division. 
And, um, you know, like I told uh, Kyle, I'd be very happy to see somebody other than the, the Steelers and the Broncos and the, you know, the Patriots making the playoffs or the Super Bowl every single year. Maybe it'd be a nice change of pace. See the Bengals make it once or, you know, it was the only other team besides the Patriots, the, the, the Patriots, the Steelers and the Broncos to make the Super Bowl since 2000 has been the Ravens. They won it in 2000 and 2012. So we'll see if, uh, you know, a lot of people talking about this being a year the Ravens can bounce back. We'll see what Matthew Stevens has to say about that and how he feels the Ravens are going to look uh, in 2017 and beyond. So come back for that. Most likely on Thursday uh, when I talk to them Wednesday night, get everything edited together and probably get off the bed before I post the show on Thursday morning. So keep your eyes open for that. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.